I actually read the book uh, when before this came out, and like, there's parts where he goes into space. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to Sincast, presented by CinemaSins. All right, everybody, welcome to the Sincast. This is Chris Atkinson from CinemaSins, joined as always by the voice of CinemaSins, Jeremy Scott. Bienvenidos. <laughs> there you go. I like that. <laughs> Bienvenue. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hello. <laughs> uh, and for music video sense, Barrier. Hello in English. Yes, that's correct. The only real language. <laughs> uh, today we're going to continue our series of best of the years we've been alive. And today we finally get to 1994. This is the one I'll be remembered for. Can you handle this bus? Oh, sure. It's just like driving a really big Pinto. You say... I'm not even supposed to be here today. Hope is a good thing. What happened here was a miracle, and I want you to fucking acknowledge it. 94. I'm going to nominate 1994 as the 90th year in cinema history. Okay. I can I can go with that. We'll uh, render a verdict on that after we discuss. Mm-hmm. I want to go with that. Uh, 1994 is obviously well known for a lot of great... Like a lot of great movies, it's top heavy. Mm-hmm. It's not a great year if you get once you get past like eight or nine of these. <laughs> so it's one of those where I I'm conflict. I was conflicted when we did our best years since we've been alive. Yeah, because um, I I for sure thought it would be ninety four because there's so many like like really great movies that mm. came out. But then after you get past that, it's like, there's not a lot of the just kind of average or kind of, I kind of liked it type of movies. Yeah, there's always, a lot of bad in 1994. I always uh, make my list for these things uh, with, you know, my top list is the ones I'm going to vote for in the order. And then I do good notables. And then I have memorable, notable, but not good. And this is the longest memorable, notable, but not good list I've had yet. Yeah. <laughs> like, I just kept going, oh, that's shit. That's shit. That's shit. And it's a big, long list of shit. <laughs> right. I can't, when we were doing that year's thing, I was like, oh, I'm going to go, I'll go straight to 94. It's going to be the best year easily. And then I went past all the good ones. And I was like, wait a minute, this is the year of the Flintstones and, and stupid angels and how this stupid <laughs> shit. Uh, anyway, uh, let's get on to it. Forrest Gump won best picture in 1994. Boo. Unfortunately, Boo. it was a phenomenon. However, it was, huge. it was one of the biggest movies, uh, besides Lion King, maybe Lion King beat it. I can't remember if Lion King, they were both like head to head, I think as far as box office. Yeah. Uh, Forrest Gump is good, but it it went up against movies today. We are we clearly think are better than it. Sure, uh, but I, I think the Academy was swayed by the phenomenon. It got swept up in the you know everybody loving Forrest Gump and how how much of a pop cultural icon it became. I don't hate Forrest Gump, mm-hmm. but I don't like it all that much. Mm-hmm. It feels like the film adaptation of. We didn't start the fire. (laughs) Here's a bunch of shit that happened in history through the eyes of this one guy. I I really I can't get my head around what this movie is trying to tell me. And and it ends up feeling like they just wanted to go revisit 
all of the highlights from we didn't start the fire yeah pretty much it's it, it's one of those things where a guy somehow becomes the luckiest person alive basically mm. uh and runs into all these moments of history yeah and is somewhat somewhat related to it he's the guy who calls the cops on watergate bug yeah. burglars and and uh and all that of course i actually read the book uh when before this came out and like there's parts where he goes into space <laughs> <laughs> i want to see that now oh, <laughs> of course then later you know apollo 13 comes out the next year and it's got him and gary sinise in it oh, so yeah. it's almost like they were completing <laughs> that part uh but uh but yeah there's a lot of stuff in the book that you're like, okay well that's ridiculous um and they cut that out but yeah forrest gump is a it's i mean i i like it it's a good movie it had to go up against so many great movies though that i think even in 1994 you could say these will be looked you know back on as better movies than forrest gump everything about um, forrest gump is like 20 to 30 percent too much mm -hmm. like the believability the runtime the soundtrack was a double cd yeah uh which was completely unnecessary but it takes you like through the whole journey of american pop music but uh, yeah, I think if it had been trimmed down a little bit more, maybe it would work better. One thing, though, I will take from this, it, tell, it shows you how great of an actress Robin Wright is. Yeah. That's what I take from this. She's amazing. She's probably the best part of this movie. Although Hanks did did win. He won his back-to-back -back Oscar for yeah. this. Um, but uh, but Robin Wright is so good in this. And, and, and now that every time I see her, I'm just like, man, she's just... She's fantastic. She might be underrated uh, overall in her career. I remember this was back in the time of my life where I was all movies, right? I bought Premiere Magazine. I would throw Oscar parties and we would dress up. And, and uh, I remember not wanting Hanks to win because he had just won the previous year and Forrest Gump felt, you know, a little thin to me. Mm -hmm. Then he wins and gives his second amazing... <laughs> amazing accepted speech and i'm yeah. like okay i'm glad he won. i'm glad <laughs> yeah. he won. you can't not love tom hanks in general but especially in that time yeah no i agree nobody was bigger during this time than tom hanks everything he came out with in the mid 90s was prestige and um it took a long time for him to actually like that for that to wane a little bit and um but uh yeah i like forrest gump but it in this year there's better movies, and let's talk about another one. Well, the big one that everybody's going to want us to talk about is Pulp Fiction, which is, mm -hmm. um, you know, I think clearly a better film than Forrest Gump. Yep. Oh, yeah. Um, a film that I think it would be very hard for the Academy that year to give Best Picture to. Yep. Uh, so, sort of unpalatable to what they typically like to award, and I think they won for original screenplay. Yep. Um, I love this movie. Um, mm -hmm. It's not my favorite tarantino um but hot damn did this movie set it off in terms of like everyone for the next five years trying to do this same kind of feel with crime gritty out of sequence humor like everyone gave it a shot and nobody could nobody could <laughs> which sort of underscores the weird brilliance of quentin tarantino I yeah mean, we saw a lot yeah there were a ton of movies inspired by this not only the uh the way it was made where it was this you know well we can kind of tell stories that uh are a little bit offbeat and uh with some crime element in it and all that they, it was a billion that came out but not only that but like the cast of this movie 
you started seeing them everywhere. Oh, it like, completely revived John Travolta's career. It did. He had a, a whole second career after this. Yeah. Um, yeah, which is crazy because he had a pretty, I mean, up until now, he was doing like, look who's talking to and all that stuff. But before that, I mean, he was in iconic movies. He was he in was. Saturday Night Fever and Grease and things like that. And then he was just completely forgotten for a little while. I'm sure he could have continued to get work and even good projects. Yeah, but and he, he definitely was, owes the rest of his career to he, this. Yeah, movie. he became a leading man. He could face yeah. off, Broken Arrow, everything <laughs> that comes after this is because of this. He was in a lot of things after that 70s, 80s period, mm. but it wasn't anything to that level. No. And then, and then this comes out, and then suddenly he's in everything. And a lot, a lot of these movies that you may have even forgotten about, like Phenomenon, were a huge hit. <laughs> Michael, <laughs> Michael, um, they were just they were huge hits. Like it, like Battlefield Earth. <laughs> Battlefield Earth was not a huge hit. <laughs> Everybody wisely stayed away from Battlefield Earth, yeah. but. Um, but yeah, exactly. John Travolta and I was, you know, I was watching the other day that movie, The Prophecy, came on. Christopher Walken, mm-hmm. oh, yeah. uh, is in it. Eric Stoltz is yeah. in it. Uh, you know, the things to do in Denver when you're dead uh, had a lot yeah. of people in there. Like it's just like you would always see these. Like both of those guys were in Pulp Fiction. Like Die Hard with a Vengeance had Bruce Willis and Samuel Jackson. Yeah. You know, it was like it was just it was weird. Like how just the cast just not just one person it would be two or three people in other movies but yeah pulp fiction set this thing where yeah nobody could emulate it they just tried to come out with these pulpy type movies and they just you have to be tarantino to make these movies would you say that samuel l jackson owes a lot of his career to this movie too Hmm. yes because this was he was nominated for an oscar for this and it's his only oscar nomination to this day wow you know it's it's weird I guess, yeah, because Samuel Jackson started showing up in everything after this, too. Mm. Uh, Spike Lee also uh, really sort of launched Samuel Jackson, too, because he was always in those movies. But this movie in particular Mm. was the one that got everybody going, oh, yeah, because when you rewatch Jurassic Park, you're like, oh, it's the dude from Pulp Fiction or whatever, because I didn't know who he was at (laughs) the time when I saw Jurassic Park. This set his public persona as a badass in stone. Yeah, yeah. And... uh, yeah, he's gone on to have, I think, yes, this made his career. He would have been in plenty of stuff. He got in Jurassic Park just fine. Got mm-hmm. in, you know, Do the Right Thing. Is he in Do the Right Thing? Yes. He was the uh, DJ in Do the Right but, Thing. But, uh, you know, I don't think he would have had a leading man superstar status. Plus it, all the movies that he did with Tarantino after this. Well, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, now, that, now they're fast friends. Uh, I, and it's weird because I feel like he could probably have been nominated for at least two or three other Tarantino movies because yeah. he's always good, especially Jackie Brown. Especially oh, yeah. Jackie Brown. Um, but, uh, but yeah, that one, that one's another great one. I think he just... could have been nominated for his scene at the very end of Out of Sight. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I just wanted to talk about Out of Sight. <laughs> yes, you did. Um, but, uh, but yeah, Pulp Fiction's so good. And I, when I watched this, I came out, of, I, I was sitting there watching this the first time in a theater and I was lucky enough to be working at a theater that had it. Um, and I, I came out going, I have never seen anything like this. Yeah. It's, no. it's, it's been a while since I've been able to say that, too. Because mm-hmm. uh, the way the, the dialogue is and everything, like how, they, how they're how they going on this, like at the beginning, Samuel Jackson, John Travolta are, are going to this apartment and they're like, oh, it's not time yet. Let's go over here and talk about foot massages. <laughs> yeah. I was just sitting there just going... What the hell am I watching? I love it. I don't understand it quite. Uh, uh, you know, I don't understand it uh, really, but 
I love it. You yeah. know, it's just one of those type of things. And it just kept going that way throughout the whole thing. And you, you know, you get to the gimp scene and all that other type of stuff. You're just like, this is just a completely different movie. Oh, I've never seen anything like yeah, that. Yeah. And that really hit home when Vincent Vega got killed in yeah. the middle of the fucking movie yeah. or towards yeah. the middle of it. I was yeah. like, <laughs> okay. Yeah. And this is not the first movie to play with things being out of sequence, but it's one of the most successful, I think mm-hmm. in, uh, in that, um, I feel the same way. I, I we walked out my my buddy Josh and I, and we were just floored. I'd never seen anything like it, and it's become a feeling I crave. Right. Mm-hmm. So when I see a movie like Snowpiercer mm-hmm. or The Raid Two, I come out liking it more than mi- others might because to me, I've never seen anything like yeah. fucking Snowpiercer. Yeah, it's balls out crazy, <laughs> and and I enjoy that because I've seen so much of the same over and over. Again. There is something to be said for just being different in Mm. general like sometimes it doesn't work but then a lot of times i think that people you know when something different doesn't work they're like well let's just not do that anymore it's not the way you're supposed to do those things supposed you supposed to go for it supposed to keep on doing things differently until it works look at deadpool right exactly um another movie that uh i was kind of surprised came out the same year as pulp fiction because in my brain i always classify them Similarly, and that's uh, Leon, the profession. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, with Jean Renault and young Natalie Portman. Very, very. Gary Oldman, again, kicking ass. Oh, so, so good. <laughs> this is where that everyone <laughs> yeah. comes from that we play on our videos sometimes. I fucking love this movie. I don't know about, about you guys, oh. but it's so obvious Natalie Portman's got talent and wisdom beyond her years. Yeah. And they play off of each other so well. It's, such, it's a very simple, straightforward story. Um, very satisfying ending. Uh, I love, and of course, the use of Sting at the at the end. Yeah. Um, I love it. Great action in this movie. Yeah. Um, it's it. This is so different from the Luke Besson that we would later know. Uh, you know, from Fifth Element right. and all that, where everything's just like, well, subtlety's gone now. <laughs> um, but in this one, especially when he's in his apartment and you have the people trying to come in. Oh, and yeah. And he just keeps finding, you know, the, he keeps finding a way to pick them off one by one yeah. and everything. And so good. And, I, and that relationship that he had. Now, the relationship that he has with yep. Natalie Portman yep. is very creepy. But I will say this. They they cut out the really creepy shit in the script. Oh yeah, oh, yeah. the original script had more in it. It it might even be they might even be more in the European version that they filmed, where they have a, a next level relationship. No, yeah, I don't know. I've See, never I've went, always been fine. I, I've, it's uh, only creepy one way. Mm-hmm. Like he doesn't, at least in the version I'm familiar with, no. he doesn't have a crush on her. He does. She has a crush on him. Yes. And that seems normal. Right. Uh, so it's never felt super creepy to me. Yeah, here's the problem. It's not the performances and it's not the dialogue. It's the the way she's shot that, yeah. that kind of creeps me out. Yeah. Uh, she's shot very sexually suggestive. And I guess that has to do with some sort of vision that the source material Luke Besson had, but... I just went back and watched this the other day, and yeah, she's precociously above her years and everything. Great performance and everything, but it's the way things linger well, on these shots that that kind of get to you after a while, and it gets progressively kind of more and more as it goes along. I think especially the scene you might be talking about is when she says she has a special place, and you know, and she can't, she's yeah, yeah, and it gets all the way down to her stomach. Yeah. And you're like, where? Holy shit! Where is this? She went past her heart. Where else? You know? Yeah. And you're just like, 
Okay, but uh, and the, the dress up scene and all that yeah. stuff, where it just it goes. See, a, a this wee is bit hard too for far. me. I, I've always viewed the creepy Natalie Portman movie as beautiful girls. Yeah, uh, that's that's where, another one yeah. where they overtly imply he has feelings for her, even though he's three times her age, and he even has a conversation <laughs> with a friend who has to remind him she was a zygote yeah. <laughs> um, when you were in the seventh grade. Yeah, um, I love that movie, by yeah. the way. But that feels way creepier to me than this movie. But it's it's I don't know if they actually filmed it, but the script, the original script, was way creepier. And they they may have even like had like kissing scenes or something like that. Oh, That's why I think that when you watch this movie, you do get some vibe off of it because it's it's in there. It's, yeah, and that's what they were going for, I guess. I mean, there there is a complex relationship here, and it's really well done. But aside yeah, it's a little bit creepy. Aside from that, though, even the, the movie doesn't cross that line, mm-hmm. so we can't judge it on yeah. the fact that it may have. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it doesn't cross that line, and it is a great action movie, yeah. and it is worth watching. You will possibly get a little creeped out, but <laughs> it's uh, it's it's a gr- it's a good movie. It's got a lot of great performances oh, in yeah, it, and a great action man. movie. Yeah. Okay, movie with great performances. I'm going to segue right to the big dog, Shawshank Redemption. Yes. Um, this is one of my favorite movies ever. Yeah. I would have a hard time finding five other movies to put in my top five that I think are better than this. Really? Really. And this is a, I don't know if it was this way around the country. I don't think this had Bafo. It did not. Box office. But on my tiny little conservative Christian college of like 3,000 students, this movie blew up. Like more than Pulp Fiction, more than any other movie that came out. That's, this is the movie everyone was talking. You got to go see it. You got to go see Shawshank. You got to go see it. So I did. Floored me. And uh, it's a slow movie. But there is no wasted time. We say this a lot, but when that comes on and I'm watching it, every scene feels very important to the narrative we're we're telling uh, about mm-hmm. these characters, specifically um, Andy Tim Dever- Robbins. Yeah, Andy Dufresne. They, they this yeah this movie is for me notable just because nobody came to see this. It had I remember it had a first release that nobody saw and a lot of it has to do with the the name of the movie because nobody yeah. it was shawshank redemption that doesn't sound like anything i want to watch poor tim robbins <laughs> was in shawshank redemption and the hudsucker proxy yeah. this year. um but like nobody saw that movie when it first came out then it got some oscar consideration and everything and it got a little bit of a bump from that but it ended up making only 28 million yeah. domestic 51st most popular movie of 1994 wow. according to money i think if you go to the imdb it's ranked number one it is number mm. one on the imdb because it has built that audience over the years especially because it was on tnt like they run it back <laughs> yeah. to back uh, uh all the time did but you ever read the novella i did not i mean it's it's very from what i remember it's very very close to to the stephen king source material hmm. well and it's funny to me how my favorite stephen king based movies seem to be his novellas mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. the green mile was a novella um and yeah i didn't know stephen king had anything to do with this until long after i'd seen it and fallen in love with it and certainly it's certainly not in his wheelhouse it's not it doesn't <laughs> feel like his kind of story at all i think uh, you get the right person because this is frank darabont who yep. did that and green mile and rob reiner did stand by me um once you get somebody who's like <laughs> they don't know what they're doing or whatever they can't i mean and even the mist which is another one of yeah. those you know frank darabont did that too uh but uh but like yeah this is just a special movie on so many levels because 
the performances are all top top notch in this this is you can i mean tim robbins and morgan freeman as good as you'll ever see them the story of this you know about a guy who didn't do it but but it's just one of those things where i mean he didn't do it but then he becomes sort of a criminal inside the prison and yeah (laughs) he says i had to go to prison to learn how to be a criminal but uh but no, I just love this story and just the the performances of it because it's leading to something that, you know, is just beautiful and yeah. redemptive and all that. Yeah. And I, I love how this all plays out. The plot of this, you would never think there was a great plot to be had from a prison movie, really. But this has a great plot to mm-hmm, it, too. Yeah. You know, it's just one of those things where there's a lot of, you know, oh, those little things that sort of build up to a big moment. Well, and, and this know. is this movie is maybe one of the best heavy movies at giving us enough levity throughout to you know there's lots of laughs in this movie Mm -hmm. yeah for a drama like when they're reading the titles of the books and classifying them and Mm -hmm. the guy mispronounces alexander dumbass yeah (laughs) yeah. tim robbins says oh you should read that it's about a prison break he'd like it and morgan freeman goes well we ought to file that under educational too (laughs) and like well, and also when they're going out trying to find rocks for him for his chessboard yeah. <laughs> and everything, and, they, and he's like, he's like, look, I found something, William Sadler, and he's like, he's like, that's a horse apple, and he's like, what? Horse shit, and he's like, horse shit, and, 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 and like, what is it? He says, uh, he's like, what are you fucking geologist or something? <laughs> I, love, I, I love that. <laughs> it's a great film, um, man. I've been waiting to talk about Ed Wood for weeks. Yes, nice. Um, let's talk about Ed Wood. Yeah. Maybe the least Tim Burton movie Tim Burton's ever made. Yeah. Completely different. Although you can see his style in this. You can. Um, Johnny Depp. Another great performance that does not get nominated for an Oscar, by the way. Yeah. He's, well, Bella Lugosi. Yeah. Martin Landau gets a nomination. Stole the thunder and there. Wins. Pull the strings. <laughs> Pull the strings. Yes. <laughs> Sarah Jessica Parker's in this. Yep. Um, there's cross-dressing. Mm-hmm. It's, about, <laughs> it's about old Hollywood and a guy who, in very many ways, this is being ripped off by that Meryl Streep wants to be a singer movie with Hugh Grant that's coming out, right? Mm-hmm. Because this is a guy who's deluded. Oh, yeah. yeah. So bad, but no one can convince him of that. And so he just continues to pursue this, this is dream. Yeah. what I point to when people say something like, um, oh, they made Birdemic uh, on purpose uh, that way or whatever. It's like, no. If you look at somebody like Ed Wood, who made Plan 9 from Outer Space, and which is a, a great experience if you can ever see that on Rift Tracks or something yeah. like that. We, we, I think both Baron and I saw this. But uh, but like, um, but like, you see Ed Wood and the way it's portrayed in this is that he does not have any awareness that he has no talent. But he has all the enthusiasm yeah. in the world. Yeah. Like if you could put that guy's enthusiasm into most talented directors, <laughs> then you would have great movies all the time. There's no quit. He's just always on. He's always going for it. Yeah. And when it's awful. And this is such a perfect Johnny Depp performance as him, too, because it's just, you know, he's always excited and he's always just like, you know, let's do this. And it's like, ah, though, you know, who cares if that, you know, somebody's like, you know, in the plan nine was like that that uh, gravestone obviously is paper it fell down on the ground it's like ah they won't see that don't worry about that <laughs> on the next shot. yeah on the next shot 
because <laughs> he has no he has no money he has you know he has no money no talent but all the enthusiasm in the world <laughs> so like all these movies that come out are horrible but man he's just <laughs> he, he, you can't stop this guy um and yeah and this is just one of the best one of the best unnominated performances you'll ever see but uh but ed wood is a great movie too and this is tim burton's best I movie so. yeah. by far yeah. oh yeah um even though he's he's got a lot of you know he's got a lot of good stuff like beetlejuice and and uh, edward scissorhands and the first batman you know whatever if you whatever you feel about that he has pretty good movies under his belt at this point, but Ed Wood is the best one he's ever come out with before or since. Yeah, I agree. Yeah, he's not dependent on his style for this. Like, right. Yeah, you're right. You can see some of it coming through, but that's why I'm saying it's it's completely different from anything he's ever done because it's essentially a biopic. I think they were pretty close to the facts. Of, well, I think that's why the cross-dressing's in there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so I guess he's kind of reined in a little bit more and mm-hmm. it makes him maybe try a little harder. You ever want to... You ever want a good uh, double feature? Watch this and Barton Fink mm. back to back because they're both about the same s- sort of era of Hollywood, and they're both like trying to make wrestling pictures. Basically, like <laughs> like there's like well, you know, Ed Wood doesn't make wrestling pictures, but like in Barton Fink, it's all about you know wrestling and the wrestler and all that. And then in this one, it's you know, it's I think there's a point where they somebody asks him to make one or something. I can't remember if that's true or not, but I get those movies confused. Well, Tor is also like a <laughs> professional wrestler, <laughs> yeah, I think, yeah, too. So yeah, I mean, that's yeah. what it comes in. So there's a lot of that type of stuff in it. But uh but yeah, man, Ed Wood's such a good movie and uh I don't know if it gets the credit that it deserves even today, but it's just it's one of those that I love. Let's talk about clerks. Clerks. Let's oh, clerk yeah. it up. Oh yeah. So this was a definitive movie for me. Like this, this changed the way that I view movies mm-hmm. because it was people that were so young, and the movie was shot so differently because it had to be. Yep. And the dialogue was so different, and the perspective was so different, and it, they had their own language uh, that was both stoner, you know, kind of uh, lexicon, and then some of it was just super highbrow. And the way that they met. I had never seen before, and it, of course, launched the career of Kevin Smith and a bunch of. Uh, well, you go of back his and look at this movie, and knowing who Kevin Smith is today, right? The podcasts, <clears throat> giving the talks, super engaging guy that people just love to listen to. Yeah, and you, you're not surprised when you watch Clerks at the dialogue because that's who this guy is, right? He has a talent for words that is. In many ways, unrivaled, I think. Yeah, which is funny because he's Silent Bob. Yeah, <laughs> the yeah movie. so he speaks his words speak through everybody else except for his own. Yeah, I actually did. You guys ever see that animated TV show I of didn't. Clerks? I really liked it. Yeah, I thought I think I liked it more than the movie. Oh, like, really? It captured something about that movie in a way because that movie's pretty cartoony in terms of a lot of what goes on. Yeah. Uh, but giving them actual animation. It, it, it con- constrained them and freed them up in the right ways. Uh, I need to find it again. I think it was only on for like six episodes or something, but this, I liked it. This is a, a, this movie, the trailer for this was on Pulp Fiction. It was the attached, oh, yeah. it was the attached trailer. Uh, by the time you've seen Clerks, you're like, we are in a different era of film yeah. here. Clerks is a, a movie that um, I the dialogue is so filthy. I had never... <laughs> I had never seen that in a movie before. I, I was just like, 
is can you get away with this? This is amazing. <laughs> yeah, I'm gonna fuck this bitch here. Yeah. I'm gonna fuck this bitch here. I'll fuck anything that moves. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But just like you know, that's why I manually manually masturbate farm animals for you know all that type of stuff. And it's like uh, just like you know all the different like discussion about sex and everything. I just I love I love the little the little. Sort of moments that are in this. There's a lot of just like little moments in this where they go, where, you know, Dante's like, like my girlfriend, my girlfriend sucked 27 dicks and goes in a row. It's <laughs> 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 just a random guy in a row. <laughs> And, you know, he's like, try not to suck any dick on the way to the parking lot. And the guy just starts <laughs> walking that way. Hey, come back here. <laughs> the proxies of having Randall, the character Randall, and then uh, Jay of just spouting off this filthy, filthy oh, shit yeah. is just awesome. And Jason Mewes has a character that, that you'd never seen before <laughs> besides the retreads really haven't seen anything since. Yeah. And it becomes sort of the basis for a lot of the, you know, the inside jokes that you would later see in Kevin Smith movies, mm-hmm. you know, everything that happens in this somehow gets referenced in mall rats and yeah, chasing Amy and all, and all yeah. that. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, clerks is a, is a, is an interesting movie. I don't, does, do we feel like it holds up today? Yes. You think so? Absolutely. Yeah, I mm-hmm. watch it. I, every time I watch it, like I find something new in it. And yeah, all right, some of it's a little bit dated. Uh, but the dialogue and the relationships and kind of like the way that they interact with each other. And then the little vignettes of like having a scene of like the guy who comes in and like tests all the eggs. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it says like it's got to be the perfect dozen. And then if it doesn't, he just smashes it on the the uh, the door <laughs> there and everything. So. No, it, it's it's awesome. It's the little things, and I can watch the scenes with Jay and Silent Bob. We were just watching one the other day yeah. of of, Bo- of the uh, the Russian guy was like, "Hey, uh, hey, man, do do Berserker," and he's yeah. like, "Would you like some making fuck Berserker?" <laughs> yeah, um, I think it does too. Just just for that, you don't see these type of movies, you know, like. It, Hardly anything gets this filthy. Like even the Judd Apatow and mm-hmm. all that other type of stuff doesn't get this filthy. Like it's just, and, and it's funny too. It's not just filth for filth's sake mm-hmm. or whatever. But but uh, I, I found it interesting to hear that Kevin Smith likes Clerks too better than this movie now. Yeah, I hear that a lot actually. And uh, and I don't agree with that. No, I think there's moments in Clerks too that are better than Clerks, but I don't think the movie's better. But um, anyway, yeah, that's a, a definitely a good one to go. What else, what else we got here? Well, we briefly mentioned The Lion King. We yeah. should give that a little bit of discussion because... Can you feel the love tonight? One of the biggest movies of the year. Yep. Yeah, it's good. Mm-hmm. I don't think it's as good as Beauty and the Beast. I don't think it's as fun as Aladdin. Mm-hmm. But I think there are lots of people who think this is the best one from that era. Yeah, it's kind of, uh, I don't understand that either. Um, it's kind of got a second life on Broadway, too. Well, yeah, that's, that's probably part of it, you know, that it's had such a different, distinct life after the actual. Well, and we also had, instead of Peebo Bryson and somebody else, we had Elton freaking John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. he upgraded from a Peebo to an Elton. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so that was an upgrade. Of course, they do it again with Tarzan and Phil Collins. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think the music had a lot to do with this movie's love. Uh, as well the music for sure because the opening and endings of the of this movie is is some of the best stuff that you see in this year i remember like just being an usher waiting for this movie to come out to get out and like you know always 200 people sitting in the auditorium that i had to go clean this auditorium for and kids movies by the way are the worst oh they are well and let's not overlook 
uh, the animation in this is fantastic. That mm-hmm. opening shot you're talking about, where it goes, where it focuses on the distance instead of the up close, and yeah. you see the stampede. Ha- it looks fucking real. Yeah. Um, and it was one of the first times a Disney animated movie had given me something that stunning. Mm-hmm. Uh, now that there are plenty of animation issues for me later in the film where it's not as pretty, but uh, they sh- they flex their muscles there in that opening. But I knew I got a, a few chills watching this movie, and and it and it's great. It was it's it's still. I think their biggest hand-drawn animated movie that they've ever come out with. And of course, in 1994, Forrest Gump and Lion King were the only two that were even in competition for this best, for like box office. It was, right. They both went over 300 million. Forrest Gump ended up slightly beating it, but, mm. um, but, uh, but Lion King, yeah, that was as a cultural col- uh, cornerstone as you can, can get. And Oh yeah. Uh, so yeah, uh, I like it. I just, I don't think it's the best thing ever or anything. So yeah, I like it. Yeah. And, and uh, I st- it still stand by my statement that any day now they're going to announce a live action remake of this. Movie. <laughs> I think so. <laughs> Cause they're doing it with everything else. They've already given us like safari movies about jungle cats where they build a story out of nature footage. Mm-hmm. So they've got the time. All they got to do is go out and get all the right shots of all these animals and find some voices and boom, you've got like jungle book, Lion King mashup bullshit mm-hmm. um 1994 was in a lot of ways the year of jim carrey mm-hmm. um i don't know if i've ever seen this since i didn't see it before i don't believe where a guy came out with three huge comedies all in one year he came out with ace ventura at the beginning of the year the mask in the summer and then dumb and dumber sort of sealed it yeah. by the end of of the year I've never seen anything like that. Three huge movies, and Jim Carrey was all over the place after these three movies. Oh, yeah. And they may be his three best, too, except for maybe Liar Liar. Yeah. Oh, you what? just said something terrible. Oh, come on. <laughs> Walk that back. What's better than that? The Truman Show. No. I'm the thinking mask comedies, I sucks. guess. Yeah, the mask oh. Ace Ventura sucks. No. It's all his performance, okay, well, though. Ace Ventura, <laughs> I, I wouldn't, okay, I wouldn't go as far as to say it sucks, I thought I thought there were some funny moments in Ace Ventura. Is it great? No. Okay. Great. No, no, I'm no. just I'm I'm reacting to the way that you said these are his three best movies. I'm not gonna I'm not trying to tear down Ace comedies. Ventura. I'm thinking about comedies. Okay. okay. Yeah. Truman Show. I would still put and Liar, Liar, Man Liar in the Moon is, is and Bruce good. Almighty above those. Oh really? Those are both better comedies. I wouldn't put Bruce Almighty. Yeah. I'm I'm the same way about Bruce Almighty. I think Bruce Almighty has some funny moments in it. I just I, I was a little underwhelmed by that one, but. Dumb and Dumber, I think, is a is a classic comedy. Yeah, at this and point. all three of these are are him completely unhinged. Like he hasn't reined in anything at this point. Like this is just his yeah. his stage character. Which I think come is to why life. they're not as for me at least is why they're not as good. Too broad. Yeah, yeah. Liar, liar is the perfect one for me because it it, it lets him go crazy, but it can it constricts him enough and dials some of that down. Again, I'm not trying to hate on those movies. No, I, I can see that. I have never liked Dumb and Dumber. I'm on an island here. Yeah. I watched this with my girlfriend at the time and her mom. The entire audience loved it. They loved it. And all I could think walking out, this is the genesis of CinemaSins, by mm-hmm. the way. All I could think of was walking out was, well, that x Lex joke was real original, right? <laughs> I've never seen anyone give somebody x Lex and have them poop and fart a lot. Yeah. And, I, and, I, and that was the impression the whole movie ended up leaving me with, well, like, like the tongue sticking to the pole. And I'm just like, I get it. But it's it aimed at seven year olds, and I was nineteen when I saw it, and I didn't, I didn't like it. Man. Yeah, there's no governor on that. They they are the stupidest characters that they could that they could possibly come up with. Yeah, I I think that there are a lot more. There is a lot more to that movie than just that stuff. Although 
if you hate that type of stuff, then that's all that you're going to see. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So, being grating. Because there is a lot of just like gross out humor in it. And even I don't like that type of yeah. stuff. And I was like sitting there going, okay, whatever. But there's some lines in this. I mean, some enduring lines, oh, yeah. you know, like, you know, you so you're saying there's a chance, <laughs> which blew up again i think in the last few years like maybe people have always been saying it but i hear it a lot in sports radio yeah <laughs> oh yeah oh yeah but now i hear it just for anything yeah. you know but um but there's that and there's the there's that great ending to it too yeah. that's so funny to me but anyway that was the that was sort of the the beginning of jim carrey and he just you know shot out after this it's just like every year he was coming out with big comedies mm-hmm. and stuff like that um what else, guys? Um, I'm sitting here looking at Quiz Show on my list. Yeah, Quiz Show is amazing. Now, this is a movie Chris and I have have loved and talked about frequently for almost our entire friendship. Mm-hmm. Um, this is a killer cast. Yes. You've got Ray Fiennes. You've got Rob Morrow. But it goes way beyond that. You've mm-hmm. got... Uh, Christopher, what's his name, hosting the game show? <laughs> yeah, Christopher McDonald. <laughs> Christopher McDonald. You got David Paymer. Yep. Uh, even Martin Scorsese's acting in this. Yep. Um, Oh, I freaking love this movie. John Turturro. John Turturro is, uh, is just, I think after we, you know, he's, he's in this night of uh, series yeah. that's going on and everything. Uh, I think it's easy to sort of underestimate how great John Turturro has been over the years. Yep. He's in a lot of great movies. He's been in a lot of, he's done a lot of great performances. Of course he's, you know, he, he'll pop in up at a transformers or something like that where you're like, okay, you're better than this, but all right, I like you it's still anyway, but in quiz show, he is, this is his best performance ever, and I don't know if he even got nominated for it. He carries the movie. He has to. Yeah. Um, the He is the the soul of the film. Have you seen it? No, I haven't. Um, I didn't mean to put you on the spot. No, that's like all right. That. Uh, and, you know, Ray Fiennes is on the other end um, with the quiet, soft, you know, reflective mm-hmm. way of dealing with, with his experiences. Totoro is blowing up. Yeah. Right. So basically, this is a movie about the game show fixing scandals back in the 50s. Yeah, it was the 50s. And Totoro is a guy who just sort of got, he, he was the winner. He'd won a bunch. And this was the game 21. Yeah. And uh, they had sort of forced him out and brought in Ray Fines, who's this college professor, son of a famous, rich, wealthy family. And they've made him the new it guy. And Totoro is pissed. Mm. And threatening to talk to people about it and they're trying to keep him quiet and promising other shows and whatnot until he just eventually boils over yeah this is a you know that they've been giving him the answers the whole time and then ray <laughs> finds the guy they want you know the the guy they want to be in this because they've said his they said uh you know herbert simple's ratings have plateaued or yeah. whatever they get him in and he's he's and they get fines in and he's just kind of like you know he's charles van doren um they're trying to get uh see if he wants to be on the show and they ask him a bunch of questions and then they sort of like test him out you know like well what if we were to give you the answers beforehand or whatever and he's like i don't think i'd do that and they're like okay we're just just, just testing you out and then a great just the one of the greatest scenes is he's playing 21 he's playing it straight up honest but when it gets to the to the crucial moment where Taturo has to blow his his uh, question and it gets to fines. They ask him a question they know for a fact they asked him and he's sitting there just like, it's a moment of decision yeah. for this guy. Do I go ahead and just do this and, you know, and go ahead and be a celebrity or do I just honestly say I don't know and just go on to the next question? Is that wow. the moment where they do that 
pull focus shot thing, the trick from Vertigo um, or whatever? It's either that or, yeah, I think it is that one because it is that shot. Because the cover of the box is from that shot. Yes, yeah. And it's a great shot. Yeah, there are so many great scenes in this. We we didn't mention Rob Morrow right off the bat. Rob Morrow's got that weird Boston accent yeah. all the way through. But I think he's great in this, yeah, despite is. the fact that the, the, that he Boston He goes accent. from like detached to, he really just wants the damn truth yeah. at the end. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, it's uh, all the performances are great. Robert Redford directed this, mm-hmm. uh, which is something I want to point out. This is my favorite of his directing. Uh, he doesn't do very many after this, though. I, I think he may do Horse Whisperer after this. Maybe he directs. He that. did direct a Horse Whisperer, um, but um, he doesn't do very many directing after this. But um, yeah, Quiz Show was just. It was another movie that was criminally underseen that year. Just like Ed Wood, just like Shawshank Redemption, hardly anybody wanted to see Quiz Show. And it's one of the best movies um, of the 90s, I think. Mm. Um, and and yeah, I mean, I don't want to say too much more about it because it's really good. I put this movie kind of alongside like um, uh, All the President's Men and JFK and all these where there's uh, somebody wants the truth and they're asking questions and no one is giving them the answers. Mm-hmm. And it's one of those very fascinating things. Who are they going to stumble on that will finally give them the answers that they need? And, um, and, but oh man, quiz show so good, man. I could, I could watch that over and over again. I think I might watch it tonight. Yeah. <laughs> I, after after talking enough. about this again, I'm just like, man, yeah, I got to watch this again. You're telling and me everybody got the answers, yeah, but you. Yeah. Man, that scene between Morrow and Fines at the end is one of my favorites of all time. I love quoting it too. Just, <laughs> he's just like, don't treat me like I'm some member you goddamn thing. <laughs> um, um, also in 1994, Great action movie, Speed, came yeah. out. Yeah. Um, what do you do? What will you do? What do you, you do? You got a hair trigger at your head. What do you do? Um, I I don't know. I mean, it's the eighth biggest movie of 1994. I don't know if there were a lot of people who thought this was genius when it came out. Maybe it's not genius. <laughs> I don't know. Um, I think it is the most, it's, I think it is the perfect action movie, though. It's it's up there. Absolutely. Because it's so quotable and there's never you were talking about like not wasting any moments like it's it's right one after another. And I think it was called the bus that couldn't (laughs) slow down. (laughs) <laughs> this, the bus's speed couldn't go any go below 50 and the speed of the bus is, i think it was called yeah um there's also another seinfeld thing where george's dad refers oh to, i know what you're the computers he's like it's got that girl from the bus <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 um he's talking about the net brother. yeah uh the speed is the perfect action movie it's got three distinct acts to it uh-huh. an elevator a bus and uh, and a subway and um and it was directed by the guy who did the cinematography on die hard jan debont did mm-hmm. this um and it's it's i don't know if i mean this is just a it came on the other day on ifc and i was sitting there just just my jaw dropped just sitting there like watching it is because it's a good, it's just good old fashioned action. You man. still tense up in those scenes that you've seen a yes. million times, like when the bus is banking or when it ridiculously and, jumps over the, and when you the can, interstate gap. Yeah, I know, which is <laughs> such bullshit. But you know, it's Everybody like on this side of the bus. Yeah, it's such bullshit. But you still go, yeah, when you when you get it or whatever. And uh, when you can make Keanu Reeves watchable, it's amazing too. <laughs> well, and Sandra, Sandra Bullock is doing a lot of the heavy lifting on yeah. that because yeah. she's again just like 
you know, the one we talked about last week, uh, Demolition Man. She's mm. so charming yeah. that she draws you in and makes you feel like she's a normal person. Mm-hmm. Right. Um, and and to me, a lesser actress in that role and Keanu's acting would grind on my nerves a lot more because yeah. he does have some Keanu moments <laughs> yes, yeah. in this I mean, movie. The, when she runs over that, that baby basket oh, and yeah. she's, you know, she's freaking out. Yeah. She's genuinely freaking out and Keanu yeah. comes in and is like, cans! <laughs> They're just cans! You know, what's, cans! you know what's funny is that when that movie came out and that, line cans and all that i thought i was the only one who caught that and then suddenly everybody you talk to about speed would talk about that line cans it was no baby it was only cans i mean everybody caught on to that like and but anyway like i I, dennis hopper so good in this great villain um and jeff daniels is also he's having a good year as well there's a scene in Speed that, uh, for me, one of my favorite parts of it is when he is going to the house they think Dennis Hopper's at. And he's he's coming in with his gun and everything, and he's like looking around, and where's this guy and everything. And then he hears the, me, and he just, and it just shows Jeff Daniels' face like, got me. Yep. Yeah. Well, I'm uh, Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and it's, you don't see that in movies very often. Like, you know, that just... They to to be willing to kill a character like that mm-hmm. and to show their expression like well the guy got me. It's funny that you say that because the professional has that at the end with Gary Oldman when yeah. he realizes yeah. he's holding the grenade yeah. pins and he just has this, he, I think he even yeah. says a swear word yeah. like oh, shit yeah, yeah. yeah. exactly yeah. yeah yeah um but yeah uh, uh, love speed anything else Gus well I mentioned that this was the ninetieth year mm-hmm. in film history and. You can't talk about that without talking about Reality Bites. Yep. yep. But it is on my not good list. Yeah. I was wondering where you guys stand on that. So you don't think it's a good movie overall because it's it's a very timely This will be an interesting conversation for because 94. you don't like singles. But yeah. this movie is not good to me because it's trying too hard to be singles. Mm-hmm. At least that was the way I felt about it the first time I saw mm. it. I was like, well, just taking the blueprint from singles and carbon copying it. Really? That's the way I felt. Man, wow. I don't know. I, I saw this a few months ago because just happened to have the Blu-ray and I popped it in or whatever. And um, I liked it a little bit better than I I did went back in 94 when this came out. But like, um, it's still like there's some parts of it. It's just like the Ethan Hawke, Win- Winona Ryder thing. And, and the like, pretentious shit he says all throughout <laughs> oh, this movie yes. drives oh, me crazy. Awesome. Yes. It is awful. And you were going to talk about 90s-est stuff. That's Ethan Hawke in this movie. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I mean, and this is Ben Stiller uh, doing his first movie as well. As director, um, yeah. Yeah. Well, he's in it, too. Yeah, he's in it, and he's he plays like an awful like MTV style executive. Yeah, but he's not that awful. Like, in fact, like when I first watched this movie when I was fifteen, sixteen, like of course you as a young male you identify with Ethan Hawke's character because he's cool. Mm-hmm. He's, he's the guy. And then the older I get, I identify a lot more with Ben Stiller's yeah. character because he's like reasonable. He didn't screw up that video and everything. He's just kind of like trying to get ahead and all that yeah, stuff. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. He is blameless i guess by the end of this where he changes winona Ryder's film mm-hmm. or whatever that's the other thing winona Ryder's going around shooting all of her friends yeah. making this documentary that's supposed to be like you know that's supposed to be a big thing but, i guess yeah, i don't know i mean you got you got the whole aid scare you've got like a guy that's struggling with coming out yeah. you've got like relationships and everything like that i i really I, I agree that like it's not always done correctly but i think the themes that they're hitting on 
are more appropriate than, than what I thought was was singles. I guess. Yeah, like I guess in I guess in the nineties, this movie does have value. You, you, it does talk about a lot of things that you know I guess wasn't really mainstream type of things to talk about at the yeah. time or whatever. And two huge musical moments in that movie. The first of which was in the convenience store when they're all dancing to the next My Sharona, which is a great song by the way. If you haven't heard that song all the way through, you should check it out because there's a bitchin' ass guitar solo in the middle of that full track that's i just awesome. read something the other day that said tarantino wanted to use that in pulp fiction but they'd already committed or they got more money from reality Bites. yes i can see that and so the, that movie got to use it <laughs> well and the other musical moment was lisa Loeb's stay yeah yeah and that oh, was everywhere i thought everywhere you were going to talk about um when he sings body a beat oh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah let me go Poster in the sun. yeah i don't like that song yeah and I don't like it when Ethan Hawke sings it. <laughs> and I don't like it when Ethan Hawke sings it without having showered for a week. Yeah. But, but it, it's, I mean, I don't think this movie is terrible or anything. Yeah. I think it's, I think it's solid. Yeah. Uh, it's, and that Lisa Loeb song is really good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> a really good video. That was everywhere for yeah, a while. Another movie that's solid through the core. Jean-Claude at Van Damme's best movie ever, Time Cop. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Now, I, this is up there with Demolition Man for me. Like, really? I can't really defend it on merit, but it is fun as balls to me. <laughs> I love watching it. I love when he does the splits in the kitchen fight. Yeah, that is I awesome. I love uh, the time travel tinkering, um, the fucking device that if you don't, that if it doesn't work, it smashes you into a wall <laughs> instead of sending you back in time. Um, I just love everything about this movie and it's not good, but I wanted to mention it. No, I, 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 Time Cop is just a fun, enjoyable movie. It's not, I mean, that's, it's fun. It's a fun movie. Yeah, that's pretty much all you yeah. can say, but I, I, it is fun. Um, what do we, where do we stand on The Crow? I like The Crow. It's, it's real gothy. Yeah. Oh yeah, where he died. On the tables and the yeah yeah board, there's a scene. there's a scene yeah. where they 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 misloaded the blank gun and because that still... should be possible right <laughs> yeah it's... why would they even have live ammo on a on a movie set I well no they they didn't have live ammo they had uh, something inside the gun that's supposed to I think pop out and it was oh, it was wow. supposed to and it was a, an object that was in the gun that they should have cleared when they when they shot it but they didn't and so that object came out and oh. hit him regardless i i didn't like this movie very much yeah i think it was trying a little too hard to be dark mm -hmm. and then you know i'm not a real big fan of comic book heroes who make uh their logo in fire after they do yeah. something <laughs> yeah even batman in the dark knight or dark knight rises when he <laughs> yeah. does that i don't like that yeah um it's a little cheesy for me i feel like this was uh like trademark 90s comic book stuff though like you know some people like it type of comic books has got a cult following mm -hmm. and they had big huge movies that came out but yeah they were all trying to be those you know he went to hell and he came back you know that type of mm -hmm. type of thing and that's kind of what this the crow is is like he's dead and he comes back and he's trying to protect his girlfriend or yep. something like that and it's yep. like um but it was a it was a you know it I remember when he died, like Brandon Lee became like Kurt Cobain or somebody yeah. like that. And nobody knew who he was before this. He was young and beautiful and the son of Bruce Lee. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which, you know, in Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, there's actually a scene where after, um, after 
like the curse goes after Bruce Lee, goes after his son mm. in the movie. Dragon the Bruce Lee story came yeah. out the year prior to this. So that's one of those one of those weird things that mm. happens. Um, Let's redeem our oversight on Bobby Fischer last week and talk about the movie Fresh. And I don't know oh, if you guys have even seen this movie. I have yeah. not. Samuel L. Jackson um, is the, the main star here. He's basically playing chess with this kid and teaching him about chess. The kid gets caught up in, he's, when I say kid, I'm talking middle school, gets caught up in crime and drugs really through no fault of his own. I think something ends up, one of his friends puts something in his bag that they stole from somebody. Can't quite remember the particulars. I do remember his friend constantly saying, I got the fresh moves. I got the stupid moves. <laughs> uh, but basically, the kid, by the end of the movie, manipulates everything around his environment like chess huh. to get himself out of danger. Um, it's phenomenal. Uh, I would highly recommend well, it, especially yeah. if you like Bobby Fischer. And this is a movie that I heard about all the time, and then I'll just, I just forgot about it. It's just, I know I need to see this movie. I know I need to, because yeah. when you brought it up, I was like, I remember that getting raves, and I just never got around to we'll it. We'll pay some now I need to. to to Wyatt Earp, since we figured yeah. about that yeah. last time. Wyatt Earp <laughs> comes out this year. It, it was Kaz Dan who directed it, mm -hmm. not Costner. Um and I like it. And I think Dennis Quaid as Doc Holliday should have been nominated for something. Fuck you, Jeremy. <laughs> <laughs> I am fucked. Um, I also want to talk about Hudsucker Proxy. Yes. The movie that made me fall in love with the Coen brothers. Mm -hmm. um, the tone of this movie is so unique, right? Like one of the opening scenes, a guy runs down a boardroom table, jumps out the window and falls to his death outside of a skyscraper. <laughs> and this is a full on comedy. Yeah. Um, and I love it. Everybody's everybody's I've great. I've had enough of this merry-go-round. <laughs> <laughs> but Tim Bur or Tim Robbins is so just well. He's like he's Ed so Wood. Goofy, he's so goofy enthusiastic. Yeah. yeah. And Paul Newman is crusty. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee, uh, I love her performance in this. By the way, I, I do want to interject. Jeremy and I are probably the only people on earth that like Hudsucker Proxy. No, I love it. You love it? Yeah. Oh, okay. Good. Uh, so good. I, most every, people don't. Most people do not. Every time I run into somebody and we talk about talk Coen Brothers, I'm like, I really like Hudsucker Proxy. And they'll be like, oh, that movie's terrible. And I'm like, really? That movie's funny it's so funny man and jennifer jason lee in it that is a great performance to me yeah. but i keep reading people like talking about how it's just too over the top and like uh and like it, everything about this movie is supposed to be over the top yeah, yeah it doesn't belong whatever and i i've always loved her in this because you know like she's she's fast talking she's just like his girl friday and all that other type mm -hmm. of stuff and it's like uh you know you can consider this my resignation and all that. It's just, I just, yeah. I, I love all the things that she says in this and uh and love her but like yeah and, and the performances of this are good it's so it's such a funny movie i don't know how this just doesn't connect with a lot of Coen i didn't realize there was so much hate for it oh no it's one it's considered one of their lowest all time oh that's crazy i love that moment when paul newman's on the phone and tim robbins starts a fire on accident in the yeah. trash can. <laughs> he runs over to the water cooler and takes it off but the water falls out while he's stumbling across the room it's a, it, there's a lot of great comedy here i, I haven't seen it in maybe six or seven years mm. i should watch it again yeah it's one of those. Let me let me prove myself right by rewatching this. But I love it. I've seen it a million times, and I just and I, every time I watch it, I'm like, people really hate this. Movie That's crazy. It's this. Is it not almost said that. I mean, it, her performance is almost like a Holly Hunter type of performance mm -hmm. in their other movies, and it almost sets up like a screwball thing. 
that they revisited on Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? Mm-hmm. So, no, it's awesome. I just, yeah. I, I'll, I've never understood it. But yeah, like I said, poor Tim Robbins, yeah. Hudsucker <laughs> and Shawshank, he he tried, to, and also the movie IQ. Uh, uh, I like that movie. <laughs> uh, is that the one with uh, Walter Matthau yeah, as Einstein? Einstein? And Meg Ryan. <laughs> yeah. When was the last time you ever went woohoo? <laughs> Um, uh, I do need to mention Natural Born Killers. Yeah. Uh, Another very 90s movie. Very 90s movie. Uh, Oliver Stone had um, sort of, after JFK, was like, you know what? I love make doing these weird edits and all these different film stocks and everything. And he blew it the uh, fuck out. Yeah. Natural born killers. He did. Everybody um, in that movie blew it the fuck out. Oh yeah. Robert, Robert Downey Jr. Yes. I love Robert Downey Jr. In this though. Yeah, I, I do love too. him in this. You know, wait a minute. Time, 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 time. This is a fucking joke, right? <laughs> yeah. The uh, that death scene is just terrifying to me for whatever reason. Because, like, I, this is a weird aside, I guess, but, like, anytime you watch a movie and somebody is about to get killed and they're just, like, I don't, I've never been in this position, but, like, they're just accepted. Like, oh, I guess I'm going to be shot or something like that. But nobody, like, gets up and runs. Like, right. what, what's the worst that could happen if you get up and run? Either you get shot anyway or there's a tiny chance that you could get away. Well, yeah, and so then, when he and runs away, he knows he's not well, going to, but, like, it, that's in something that, tr- that a normal person would do. I well, think. you know, Woody Harrelson, he goes, he's like, Come on, Gail. Please have some dignity. Yeah. And that's what gets him back, which is like, that wouldn't get me back. Yeah. I'd be running until you got me. <laughs> um, this movie was super controversial. Um, mm-hmm. uh, it's violent. I don't know if it's abhorrently violent, though. Like, I don't know if it gets to the point of, like, a lot of people die in it, but I don't think there's a lot of, I don't think there's a lot of blood and guts in this or anything. Like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm just desensitized to it or whatever. Um, um tarantino uh came up with the story for this and then oliver stone directed it and then uh, i think tarantino's all but um disowned this movie mm. um he because he thought that he was writing something that was supposed to be funnier and more satire and all that but oliver stone still kind of gets some satire yeah. in there and everything so i don't know it's a whole media pl- proliferation and like focusing on like a bonnie and clyde type of situation yeah for, for violence I'm I, I actually really like this movie, but I don't know if there's in between any in between on this. Like, can you be eh about this movie? You have to either hate <laughs> it or love it, right? Yeah, probably so. Do you? What do you? What do you think? Saw it once. Okay. Thought it was really violent, and my girlfriend at the time started calling us Mickey and Mallory, so we broke up. Um, <laughs> that would do it. Um, then that's pretty much all I have to say about it. Yeah, it was. Mm-hmm. I know that there were some copycat murders, and like John Grisham even got in on that or whatever. Yeah, he John was... Grisham believes the movie should be to blame for the people who died in real life mm-hmm. after the killers watched that movie. And John Grisham is a fucking moron for <laughs> believing that. Yeah, and um, I could tell a whole story about a speech I gave in college about this topic that got me thrown out of class really <laughs> but it's not a very good story um, but that did happen <laughs> so i'll i'll touch on a few clear and present danger came out this was mm-hmm. how dare you sir <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's like how dare you bark at me like some junkyard dog <laughs> um but clear and present danger is uh my favorite uh, well it's not there's only two <laughs> harrison ford <laughs> right. but uh <laughs> but uh but i actually uh i think i've watched this one quite a bit clear and present danger um, i have i'm showing the santa claus came out this it year. did yeah that uh, was a tremendous hit it was my mm. wife still watches it annually to this oh, really? day uh she loves it um and we quote it because just because you know it's on every year in our house but 
I don't know that it's great. It's funny. It, it's, yeah. it's certainly not great. Yeah, it's harmless. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can think you can have a good time with it. Uh, Interview with a Vampire came out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I remember uh, the shit that Tom Cruise got as being Lestat. Oh, my in God. Because this, this, this was like Twilight back then. Exactly. Those vampire books were fucking everywhere. Yes. The Anne Rice interview with the vampire and Lestat and, and all that stuff. And I, I had read them back in the day, and nothing about that character screamed Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> but he was um, perfectly fine in it, I guess. Yeah. Cruise and Pitt. And Antonio Banderas, like it was, the, and Christian Slater, it was the people sexiest men alive are all in this movie, <laughs> all of them. Like they should have like found a way to put Sean Connery in it somehow, you know, just complete Nick Nolte, yeah, Nick Nolte. <laughs> um, but uh, oh man, I didn't like Interview with the Vampire no, at all. No, no, this was Neil Jordan, his follow up to the Crying Game of all movies. The, um, the best part about this movie was at the end they featured Sympathy for the Devil oh, uh, yeah. covered by Guns and Roses. Yeah. yeah, that needed to happen. Um. <laughs> I'm skipping over a few. Four Weddings and a Funeral was also a Best Picture nominee this year. Huge hit for yeah. an indie film. Huge hit. It Hugh was... Grant basically introducing himself to American audiences. Mm. Yeah. Um, it's a funny movie. Uh, I don't think it should have gotten Best Picture nomination over uh, like Ed Wood, though. Yeah. Let's see. What else is on True here? Lies. True Lies. That's right. We haven't gotten to that I yet. I just watched part of this two days ago. This is also on IFC playing a whole bunch. Yeah, um, and it's... Uh... It's it, it's one of the most violent movies with almost no blood that you'll ever see. Because <laughs> yeah, yeah. they're going hard for that PG-13 rating. Uh, he shoots hundreds and hundreds yeah. of people. Oh, yeah. Oh, and yeah. nobody ever gets bloody. Um, I enjoy this movie more than most, I think. No, I like it. It's a little too far... It's a little too excessive. Yeah, this is a, a weird, this is like a sort of a I don't know is this a blip for James Cameron? It is at this point because he's done nothing but sci-fi movies at this point. Yeah, no, and, it's it's definitely a change of gears. Yeah, and it's just like a more traditional spy action thriller uh, with Schwarzenegger, and of course there's going to be a lot of you know bodies flying, but um but uh but yeah i i enjoy this too i was watching it the other day and i was like man when we ever send this there's so many things in this um but uh but yeah it's an enjoyable movie i think although it is one of those movies that is i'd like to hear your guys uh opinions on this do you think that this is one of the reasons why other countries hate us. This <laughs> <laughs> well, this movie definitely plays up the Middle East villains yeah. excessively. It does. And they may even borderline on offensive caricature at yeah. times. Yeah. Uh, but I, I wouldn't argue against that. <laughs> it's, Tell us in the comments yeah. if you live outside of the United States. Yeah, exactly. Um, Let's talk about one of the greatest documentaries ever made. Stargate. Hoop Dreams. Ah. <laughs> Scarface. Stargate. Oh, Stargate. Uh, have you guys seen Hoop Dreams? Yes, Hoop Dreams is yeah, amazing. It's fantastic. Follows the over over many years, follows the lives of two kids that have basketball talent that hope to turn that into a career. Um, and it's just it took me a few months to watch it after somebody told me what I just said, because I don't really care about basketball. Mm-hmm. You don't have to. Um, yeah. It's the, the people who are compelling. Uh, great, great documentary. Out of all the movies that came out this year, I believe Roger Ebert put this as number one out of really? all the movies that he saw. And I don't blame him. I I love Hoop Dreams. It's not going to be my number one, but man, is that a good... I mean, yeah, it would really, probably be in my top ten for sure. Maybe yeah, even my top five. Yeah, cl- yeah it'll be in there somewhere. But um, It's every bit as good as a documentary can be. Yeah. 
what else is swimming on? with the sharks oh Ooh. okay so swimming with the sharks is a movie i've always thought was 1995 Huh. But we can talk about it because I don't think it has a chance in either of the years. But Man, it's I'm even pulling from multiple sources now and making sure the movies I put on my list are on both sources. It's yeah, still not it helping swimming me. With ah. Swimming with Sharks. Um, well, The Ref came out this year. Yeah, yeah I've got that right under Swimming with Sharks. Yeah. <laughs> and The Ref is a good movie, too. Um, but uh, but yeah, Swimming with Sharks, um, we'll, we'll talk about it as a 94. It obviously you know had some screenings in this mm-hmm. year, so we'll talk about it. Uh, this is a Kevin Spacey performance that's just fan fucking tastic. <laughs> oh my god! Oh my god! Do I love watching? I love watching this movie. And the guy who did this, George Wang, has not done really anything since. Like mm. he's one of those guys in the mid '90s that made movies, kind of like uh, Stacy Title, who did Last Supper, just never showed up again for whatever reason. I think this movie was so inside baseball oh yeah that I, he got he may have gotten blacklisted he may have because it's clearly based on somebody's personal experience with somebody it yeah. has to be um but you're right i've, I've never enjoyed a villain i almost root for kevin spacey in this yeah movie, right? yeah i just want to see listen learn yeah <laughs> um he's so he's such a he's such a terrible person but you know like uh uh when the devil wears prada came out uh I was like, this is swimming with sharks. Yeah. This mm. is what that this is what that is. It's exactly mm. that. The, without the kidnapping. The yeah, without the kidnapping. The intern who has to work for wants to work a year for this big place and the and their overbearing boss and, and nothing that they they do is right and all the weird like uh tasks that they're meant they're meant you know, like in swimming with sharks. The big moment, like, you know, the big moment in Devil Wears Prada is like, get me that Harry Potter yeah. book, like, before, before it even now. gets published. In Swimming with Sharks, it's a bad article by about Kevin Spacey's character. He has to go around to find all the magazines and tear them up. <laughs> He's like, go around, to this, go around town, tear up all the copies. Every single one. You see him, like, at the office, tearing copies <laughs> and throwing it in the trash can and everything. Man, I love this movie. Yeah. Um, so yeah, Swimming with Sharks, and you mentioned The Ref, which was Ted Demi. We also uh-huh. talked about Beautiful Girls, and then Blow later, he did that. Mm-hmm. Let's see, what else in 1994? That's a lot of names of movies on this list that people would recognize, but none of these are worthy of talking about. Yeah. I'm looking at Don Juan DeMarco, Wolf, yeah. The Client, yeah. The Shadow, mm-hmm. Blown Away. Don yeah. Juan DeMarco annoys me because it's the only time <laughs> that Depp and Brando work together. And it's that piece of and it's yeah. such bullshit. It is. It really yeah. is. It's a psychology <laughs> like, movie. Two, two of like the some of the best actors of their generations. Yeah. And oh, what a disappointment! Yeah, man. I was, Fuck I, that movie. Fuck I went it. in so excited and came out so not excited. Legends of the Fall came out. Um, I know a lot of people love Legends of the Fall. I still haven't seen that movie. Hmm. Um, but I, I remember a lot of people just loving Legends of the Fall. That's another Brad Pitt that you know. Uh, went through the stratosphere. Um, little Rascals. Gonna, little Rascals, <laughs> yeah. If we're going to stay here for a second, I want to mention Maverick, because I really, okay. really like Maverick. Oh. It's, I've seen it a zillion times. It's got a nice kind of propulsive story. It's <laughs> Mel Gibson. At my noise? <laughs> I don't like this movie at all. It's Jodie Foster. It's Richard James Donner. Garner. It's Richard Donner. People aren't too shouty in this. Not too shouty. And it's it's like a bunch of like kind of deception and you know revolves around a poker game, getting to a poker game. And Mel Gibson is 
very winning in this performance, and it's it's fun. You should check it out. It's, it's light and breezy. This is actually part of one of the weirdest double features I ever put myself through. And when I say double feature, I mean I just watched two movies before I went home. It wasn't like the theater put these mm. two movies together, but I saw Maverick and then Wolf. Oh, God. <laughs> oh, and I went home so disappointed. Uh, Maverick is way too long. I do think Mel Gibson is charming in it, but I... I can't get on board with it. Yeah, it's got. I don't. I don't like it. What's wrong with it? I I only saw it like twice. I I just remember thinking. Um, Did you watch that of, after Wolf or before Wolf? It was before. All right. I think your Wolf experience tainted it. I think that may be the case. Yeah, I'm all right with that. Because Wolf is a shitty Wolf fucking is a piece movie. Of shit. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which was weird. You got Mike Nichols, Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, and it sucked. Yeah, oh, it's it sucked so bad. So hard. Um, I'm gonna go through a few others. I'm just gonna name them. The Last Seduction, John Dahl, uh, Linda Fiorentina. Linda Fiorentina, great movie. Mm-hmm. Um, I would highly recommend that. It was one of those movies that I think came out on HBO first. Yeah. And then it came out in the- in theaters, and then it was unable to get Oscar nominations because of oh. it. Oh. Um, Serial Mom, that was John Waters. That's a yeah. really twisted fucking movie. Um, the, uh, what else? Surviving the Game. Ernest uh, Dickerson. That's yeah. a sort of a, um, you know, take on uh, the most dangerous game and everything. Ice tea. <laughs> <laughs> and for all you Rutger Hauer Rutger fans Hauer, out there. Yeah. Um, and uh, one more. Oh, Spanking the Monkey. David O. Russell's uh, debut. Yeah. Jeremy Davies. Yeah. Uh, it's about. Um, Guy who uh, has sex with his mom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You can't really miss words there. <laughs> no, um, you can't. And uh, Nobody's Fool also Love came out. Love that movie. Yeah, another oh, great wow. movie. Paul Newman nominated for that i think yes he was uh deserving bruce willis is in that as well it's just a real small town drama about a old guy uh, but paul newman is just he's kicking fucking ass in this movie mm-hmm. um so i think we're ready to go on and um a vote on this let's do it what's the lineup all right lineup is barrett jeremy and chris Ooh, okay all right so you better not say maverick <laughs> okay so it's me pulp fiction oh really? absolutely <laughs> absolutely no no thought as soon as i thought 1994 I went through it and I was like, is there anything that could potentially challenge this? Not a fucking chance. Pulp Fiction for everything that we've said. Um, Shawshank is better than Pulp Fiction. There are about six movies that I think could be given this crown and be deserving. Like we talked casually about Hoop Dreams. Like if you defended Hoop Dreams as the best movie of the year, I'm okay with that. Um, But I think Shawshank is, if any of those movies had come out in any other year, they'd get my pick. But because this is Shawshank's year, it's Shawshank all the way. And, um, I'm not surprised that you picked Pulp Fiction. I'm just disappointed. No. <laughs> just kidding. I think this... I'm not surprised you picked Shawshank. <laughs> I think this could be between... This is, for me, it's between like four or five movies. It's Shawshank, it's Pulp Fiction, Quiz Show, Ed Wood. All those movies, to me, are are just about equal as far as like watchability and greatness and all that. But I have Pulp Fiction hang- hanging up in my fucking... <laughs> room here she's looking at you she's looking at me (laughs) she's like you better fucking vote for pulp fiction but i'm gonna go pulp fiction because i i do believe because i had never seen anything like this before and because it was so uh influential later on and because people have tried to make this movie again over and over (laughs) again they can't do it I'm going to go with Pulp Fiction on this. Um, (sighs) Okay. (laughs) It's all right. Shawshank would be my second pick. No, Shawshank would clearly be the second pick on this. I I mean, I know that that everybody and their mom loves Shawshank. 
And I agree. I, I If you put both of these movies in front of me, one day I'm going to pick one, yeah. one day I'm going to pick the other. Yeah. Um, My mom loves Shawshank. Yeah. And <laughs> you it, say that like that's a critique. said everybody and your mom. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were saying like Shawshank can be good. My mom likes it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, yeah, but I mean, you can't go wrong with either one of those movies. I just think from I go back on what I felt when I first watched Pulp Fiction. It you know, when we watch it now, you may have that, well, this has kind of been tried and done and worn out and all that type type of thing now. Uh, but I don't know if we can judge it that way. I, judge it by what I felt when I first watched. I'm not upset that it won. I was only upset that my pick didn't. It's really <laughs> oh, okay. just a selfish side. Well, there's also going to be a lot of people on Twitter and SoundCloud who are going to be like, how could you fucking do this? Yeah, well, you know. well, I mean, it's a tough <laughs> it's year. If it's I had year. known, I would have just put a Shawshank poster up in here like three months ago, <laughs> mm-hmm. and then I uh, could have refuted your, your yeah. tipping point. They would have been, been looking at you. They would have been fighting again. <laughs> you would have to take Pulp Fiction down as well for this to, to this to work. <laughs> um, well, we just picked uh, Pulp fiction right yeah yeah, yeah. And we weren't unanimous but we were not any of us upset yeah no we gave the finger to the academy we sure did we oh i was that. so fucking mad at forrest fucking gump for fucking winning <laughs> fucking best picture <laughs> yeah. i was so fucking angry it's not the best picture no my well God. yeah and and welcome to the 90s because that's what happens almost all the time yeah it's gonna be a recurring theme here. Uh, moving on to our uh topic uh for this one uh we're talking about uh, actors that we see that we're like, whoa, they were actually in this movie? What? Whoa. That is some weird, wild stuff. You're crazy. Am I? Or am I so sane that you just blew your mind? Well, the way that I approached this, and I don't know how you guys approached it, but for me, I mostly listed people that I didn't know when I saw the movie. Right. That later got famous, and then when I'm rewatching the movie... I'm like, holy shit. Same, yeah. right. same so here. Could uh-huh. call this the Band of Brothers or Black Hawk Down effect, right? Mm-hmm. Because both of those movies have like 30 people who would go on to be famous. Uh, the first one I want to talk about is uh, Mission Impossible 3. Mm-hmm. And uh, Aaron Paul. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In the birthday scene early on, he's the girlfriend's brother. Yeah. He has like two lines of dialogue. <laughs> And that's it. And, and it's way before oh, Breaking and, Bad. And then there's that one stupid moment where they call him yeah, and he's like, him. oh, yeah, he's at this place right now. And then <laughs> yeah. that's his one function in yeah. the movie. And uh, clearly just, you know, barely above an extra at this point. Yeah. Um, and when I saw the movie the first time, I hadn't seen Breaking Bad. I don't even know if Breaking Bad had come out yet. Uh, and then when I went back and watched it for the Sins video, that's when I was like, holy shit, that's Aaron Paul. <laughs> and uh, I got a kick out of it. Well, and speaking of Breaking Bad, Giancarlo Esposito. Yeah. Um, uh-huh. I, I knew of Giancarlo Esposito because of the usual suspects. I, that was him to me for the longest time. So when he was in Breaking Bad, I was like, man, he's completely transformed himself because, you know, he's a fast talking type of detective or whatever in usual suspects. But, you know, I think most people probably have stumbled on Giancarlo Esposito as a Breaking Bad guy, mm-hmm. you know. And uh, but then when you go and watch Do the Right Thing. He's the guy who's in the in the pizza place oh, going, yeah. why oh. are there no brothers on the wall here? Yeah. And all oh, that. Wow. And he's the one who sort of gets that movie going as far as like, <sighs> you know, the whole the sort of the tension of the yeah. movie because uh, because he looks completely different. He's younger, oh, of crazy. course, yeah. and he's got glasses and all that. And and you 
if you're if you knew him from Usual Suspects, even and you go back and watch that, you're like, oh my god, that's yeah. that guy. That's um, awesome. So I watched this recently the, in 2001. Uh, we've talked about it before. There was not another teen movie. Oh, oh yeah. yeah. And the main guy in that is Chris Evans, mm-hmm. fucking Captain <laughs> Fucking America. Oh, man. I forgot all about that. Yeah. And yeah, when I went back and watched, I was like, why? Because he kind of looks like a generic just you know jock from high school. And I looked at him. I was like, "Oh yeah, wow! That that guy has been in pretty amazing shit since I then." All mm-hmm. about that, yeah. Um, now, Catch Me If You Can is one of my favorite movies, mm-hmm. and a lot of people might remember that Amy Adams is in it. Yeah, she has a lot of mm-hmm. speaking lines, and she's the girl he's trying to marry and run off with at the end. You might even remember Jennifer Garner mm-hmm. playing the prostitute in the hotel. But I just wanted to point out. Ellen Pompeo, Elizabeth Banks, and Amy Acker are all in this yeah. room in tiny roles and way before they were famous. And yeah. Elizabeth Banks is one of the uh, ca- like bank counter girls yeah, or whatever. I think so. Yeah, oh, yeah, really? the yeah. one that he does the necklace trick with. Yeah, yeah, ah. yeah. Um, yeah, that's a, mo- that's a movie that's got all sorts of stuff. You're like, oh my God, all these people became famous yeah. afterwards. It's got a ton of them yep. in it. Um, one, one that I saw the credit for this person on and did not know who it was the entire fucking movie until afterwards david bowie in the prestige oh, oh wow. yeah i uh i watched that i watched it. i was like who's this guy okay whatever you didn't recognize did him. did not recognize really? him one bit that's amazing and is that amazing that i didn't recognize him no 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 no, okay. no he's definitely made up weird because he's got he's got like he's got a mustache and all mm-hmm. this other stuff and so i just forgot he was in it i think i think i saw david bowie was in the credits yeah. and i was like okay and then you start you, you never expect david bowie to have a, a role like that especially his tesla <laughs> yeah he is tesla <laughs> and so like yeah i watched the whole movie and then it shows up again david bowie and i was like oh no fucking way. Yeah. I was just I was just blown away by it. Just when you thought Andy Serkis couldn't have a better life, you realize he shot a movie with David Bowie. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because he's the yeah. Igor to yeah. Bowie's Tesla. Yeah. Um, it's your turn, Barrett, I think. Yeah. So, I actually, I got called out on this by my mother-in-law. Mm-hmm. We were watching uh, National Lampoon's Christmas Vacation, and the kid, the boy in that, she was like, isn't that the boy from The Big Bang Theory? And I was like, no. What are you talking about? <laughs> And then the credits pop up. It's Johnny Galecki, yep. <laughs> who, uh, you know, because they rotate the kids out with those movies, uh, I just kind of watched the movie in the background and didn't really pay attention. But yeah, that's the kid from the Big Bang Theory. His hair's, his hair's a lighter shade, mm-hmm. and he's a lot younger. Yeah. Um, and Julia Louis-Dreyfus is another one in this movie. Yeah. yeah. If you watch this before Seinfeld and then come back 10 years later, you're going to be like, holy shit! And, yeah. and Juliette Lewis yeah. is yeah. another Juliette one. Lewis. Yeah, that yeah. just pops back at you once you watch it again. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that's a good one because I love the... I love the fact that you watch movies with kids in them. And then like 10 years later, yeah. you're like, you watch something and you're like, I wonder what else this guy's been in. And then you go back and you're like, oh, he, no, no, he <laughs> was that, that guy? character I've no. seen a zillion times. Yeah. It's easy for this kind of phenomenon to happen when the cast is huge, right? Like with Band of Brothers or uh, Black Hawk Down. I can't hardly wait. No. no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, oh, man. Stars Jennifer uh, Love, Love Hewitt. Hewitt. And a lot of people you recognize, like the kid from What About Bob does the yeah. whole Guns N' Roses thing. And yeah. I'm not even going to name those people, but I am going to read you a list of people in this movie. Selma Blair, mm-hmm. Lauren Ambrose, Freddie Rodriguez, who would go on to co-star with Lauren Ambrose in Six Feet Under, Donald Faison, Jamie Presley, Jason Siegel, Claire Duvall, Eric Balfour, Amber Benson, Melissa Joan Hart, and Breckenmeyer. 
Yeah, and Seth Green, too. Yeah. yeah, and none of those people were the major characters. Yeah. Jenna Elfman, I didn't even list because she has like seven lines playing mm. that angel at the bus stop. <laughs> um, but I bet if I pop this movie in right now, it would blow my damn mind. <laughs> oh, I yeah. saw it once in the theater, but just researching for this, I was like, holy shit, all these people were in this. Everybody. I remember this coming out with uh, Dirty Work came out the same day. <laughs> No and, I, and yeah and i watched dirty work instead <laughs> so you've never seen it uh i have seen can't hardly wait since oh, like okay. it, it came on cable or whatever and i was like how did i miss this movie yeah. but i remember when when it came time to watch movies that night or whatever it was like uh it was like i'm gonna watch dirty work because that seems like the funnier movie but everybody else wanted to see can't hardly wait so I just watched Dirty Work while they watched that and everything, and and uh, then then later it became like a cult hit or whatever, especially with all the people that are in it. Yeah. you know, it just they all broke out. Those those movies with huge like unknown actors and everything always seem to produce like tons of like talent mm-hmm. later on. Um, speaking of uh, of kids growing up, and you watch a movie later, and you're just like, really, she's in this. Michelle Williams is a species. Oh, oh she plays the young, young alien, Sil. doesn't she? She I plays the young oh, Sil. Wow. And like I have known <laughs> Michelle Williams just through Dawson's Creek and uh-huh. like all the prestige movies that she's been in and everything. And uh and then like Species came on like, you know, on TV and I'm just sitting there watching it and I'm like I'm looking at this kid and I'm like that's fucking Michelle Williams. <laughs> How did she get in this? <laughs> Another one I'll cut in line for a second, Barrett, is that the girl from the Spy Kids movies, Alexa Vega. Yeah, yeah. She's the young Joe in the beginning of Twister. Oh, wow. Oh. There you go. The more oh. you know. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. Well, you mentioned Jason Segel, actually, and Can't Hardly Wait. But what's what's interesting, I'll do two of them in, in Judd Apatow movies, because when you go back and you watch uh, Knocked Up and you see... Uh, Jason Siegel is being one of the friends, you know, along with Jonah Hill and all that stuff. But like, he's such a background character that you don't even notice that he's there until you, you know, he became a big star and everything. The other thing that happened was when Seth Rogen was in the 40 year old virgin. Mm -hmm. And I mean, he's definitely not the schlubby Seth Rogen that we've come to to know over the years. Like he's all tatted up and everything and kind of like just kind of a bro. Yeah. And uh, when you go back and especially right when he was like, you know, dominating everything. It was interesting to see like him as a very peripheral player there. Well, super early Jonah Hill in that movie too. The mm-hmm. cameo in the the shop across the street. Oh yeah, stuff on the eBay. eBay. <laughs> well, when you mentioned Seth Rogen, I thought you were going to talk about Donnie Darko. Yeah, because oh, he's oh, in oh, that. Yeah. Yeah. and uh, he's just a very like small character in that. But like he he shows up a couple of times, uh-huh. and like uh, Jonah Hill, the one I actually wrote Jonah Hill down. Uh, because he is in the movie Accepted, uh, yeah. and 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 the most people probably didn't see Accepted, uh-huh. but they did see the trailer where it's like, "Ask me about my wiener," <laughs> and uh, I remember saw, seeing Accepted, and I was like, "This is just you know, I you look at people you've never seen before, you're like, okay, well." I, I won't remember that person or whatever, and then they you watch you later on, Joni Hill became really big, and I was like is he that guy in Accepted? No, surely not. Surely he isn't. And yeah, he is. He's the guy in Accepted. <laughs> oh, man. I forgot about um, that. So I talked recently about my love for Star Trek VI Undiscovered Country. Mm-hmm. There's two really screwball cameos in this movie. Right near the end, when 
they send a secret message to Sulu's ship, the Excelsior, to ask him for help. The guy that comes to Sulu's quarters to deliver this message is Christian fucking Slater. Yeah. Shrouded in shadow. You can't even see his face. You either recognize the voice or you wait till the credits to see who it is. And then the other weird one is that the president of the Federation is played... By uh, the dad from that '70s show, yeah, Carl Smith, Smith. Yeah. <laughs> which is such a weird shit and thing to look at now. After I've come to know this actor as Red Foreman, and go back and watch this movie, he's got this long ass white beard and mustache and hair, and it just feels so out of place. That was the thing about Kurtwood Smith uh, before that '70s show was he was always the villain. He was always yeah. the bad guy, RoboCop, and yeah. he was obviously he was an antagonist in Dead Poet Society yeah. and all this other type of stuff. Uh, he was just always that guy. And that was why it was so funny to watch him in that 70s show because he sort of spun that. Um, there's another uh, child actress that uh, she hasn't become huge, but Camilla Bell, you 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 know who Camilla Bell is? Sounds yeah. familiar. She's from 10,000 BC? Uh, 10,000 BC. Mm-hmm. And she was in When a Stranger Calls and, and, uh, and, and she- oh. I know where you're going. And uh, yeah. And uh, she was also um, she might be best known uh, in this day and age as have having do- dated Joe Jonas at one point. <laughs> uh, but uh, she's the little girl in Lost World, the Dr- Jurassic yeah. Park. Oh, she's the one who's like, oh, mommy, daddy, I found something at ah, the beginning. And of she it. gets killed by the copies. Yeah. yeah. Well, she doesn't get killed. Oh, that's right. That, because it was Spielberg. And he's like, we can't make it too. <laughs> can't make that too sad now, uh, even though she was surrounded. Surrounded by yeah, them. she's dead. Yeah. Oh, yeah. In real life, she's dead. <laughs> in keeping up with our uh, mission to talk about Locke as much as possible, yeah. <laughs> I don't know if we mentioned this before, but actually, you were going to bring it up, Jeremy, and then Chris brought it up on email. But Tom Holland, yeah, yeah. the new Spider-Man, yeah. is the voice of Tom Hardy's son. Yeah. <laughs> in that in that movie, and somehow you go through the whole thing without really realizing it, and somehow when you find that out, it makes that movie about like five percent even better. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's the same. Yeah, same here. <laughs> well, we talked about Dave last week, um, and there's a, a very funny recurring joke of the White House tour giver who always says, we're walking, we're <laughs> yeah. walking, and we're stopping. That's Bonnie Hunt. Mm, yeah. yeah. Who would go on to be more prominent in Jerry Maguire, but I think at this time was already a respected comedian and writer. Mm-hmm. Um, and the girl the president's sleeping with when he has his stroke is Laura Linney. Oh, wow. Ah, oh, really? Yeah. And um, that's not even talking about how Ving Rhames plays the Secret Service guy. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the yeah. m- movie's loaded. But um, but I just watched this again in the last week because we had talked about it and was struck by, oh, those two ladies weren't even close to famous yet. Mm-hmm. And they're both super famous now. Yeah. I remember uh, what's funny about Laura Lenny is uh, I she was in like the movie Congo. Yeah. <laughs> you know, yeah. Like I remember mm-hmm. thinking there's no way like that she's ever going to be anything. And then. Turns out she's a really great actress yeah, or whatever. She is. But how did she get into Congo? Is all I was, you know. She's also in, isn't she in that Richard Gere, Ed Norton? Yeah, movie? Primal Fear. Yeah. Yeah. Um, another one, I didn't know who Jimmy Fallon was when Almost Famous came out, but he's got a cameo oh, yeah. in that, you know, and, and he's got a really funny one yeah. too, you know, where he comes in and he's like, You think Mick Jagger's gonna come out and be a rock star when he's seventy years old? <laughs> you got another thing coming. You know, and he had been on Saturday Night Live, but this was not the era which I was watching Saturday Night Live mm. when this came out. So I'm sure Saturday Night Live people were like, Oh, there's Jimmy Fallon or whatever. Um but yeah, like uh it was not until like after he became famous on Saturday Night Live and everything that I went back and watched it and I was like, oh, 
It's Jimmy Fallon. Holy mm-hmm. crap. It's awesome. So speaking of 2001, I went back and watched Blow again and <laughs> realized that the mom to Johnny Depp's character is Rachel Griffiths. Oh, wow. Uh, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Who is three years younger than Johnny Depp, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but she went on, uh, so this was 2001, and then I think Six Feet Under started mm-hmm. around this this time, and mm-hmm. she was in Six Feet Under as this very, you know, young, precocious, uh, sexually liberated woman in that series. And here she was as like this beat down, chain smoking mom in, in Blow and Johnny That's Depp's mom. That's two Six Feet Under name checks in one podcast. <laughs> there you go. You're welcome. Yes. Six Feet Under fans. Yeah. <laughs> All right, I, have, I had one more I was going to talk go. about, and that's, I don't know why my mind went right back to all 1993 movies for this discussion. But So I Married an Axe Murder, mm-hmm. we talked about the cast. We forgot to mention Michael Richards. has like <laughs> yeah. three lines in one scene and he looks young as hell. Yeah. yeah. Um, this has got to be right at the beginning of Seinfeld, if not before Seinfeld, when they shot this. And I always forget he's in that movie until that scene comes up. He's played like a newspaper reporter. Well, it's interesting you bring him up because he has one of his biggest roles, even though hardly anybody saw this movie, was UHF. Yeah. Uh, UHF is is was, I mean, you would almost think it would be a star-making performance, but he didn't become a star until Seinfeld. No, yeah. And uh, and it, and it's not until after Seinfeld is out that you watch UHF and you're like, holy crap, Michael Richards. He's, yeah, he was still bonkers, though. Yeah, he was super bonkers. He wasn't Kramer bonkers, but he was bonkers. Yeah, he was super bonkers in this, but he has a great network parody in there where he's <laughs> like, you know, these floors are dirty as hell and I'm not going to take it anymore. Um. I, there were there were a few. I guess we'll, yeah, we'll we'll probably come back to this at some point. But yeah, when I watched a few good men, I had no idea who Christopher Guest was. Oh, so when you yeah. so when you watch Christopher Guest and Spinal Tap and you know all these Best in Show and all that other stuff and Princess Bride, uh, then you go back and watch a few good men. It's it almost takes you out of the movie. <laughs> it's so weird. Well, <laughs> it's so he's so unguest like. Yeah, right? yeah. Not- yeah, because all he is is just like a straightforward, like, what is he, a doctor? Yeah, he's the doctor. He's yeah. a pathologist. Yeah, so like, uh, yeah, it's like, oh, you're not being funny. What's going on here, man? Man, I wrote What's down up? this movie with a few, I didn't write that one down, but Noah Wiley from yeah. ER. Cuba Gooding. And Cuba Gooding is in this movie. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, it's it's full of, whoa, holy shit, it's that guy, <laughs> yeah, which of course yeah. is the point of the yeah. whole topic. As, uh, also in 1992, I went back and watched Singles again to remind myself oh, how yeah. much I didn't like it. And there's uh, that scene in there where uh, one of the characters is looking at uh, a couple making out in the cafe, just really going at it and everything. And they finally come up for air and it's fucking Paul Giamatti. Yeah, 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 yeah. He's <laughs> like, what are you looking at? Yeah, <laughs> It's a great cameo, too. Like, of anybody he's that like, you could get in here, he's like, he's like, do you mind? In that, in that perfect Paul Giamatti voice, too. Yeah. Yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it's always interesting to me. I mean, and we probably have a billion we yeah. missed, but, you know, um, that's just one of those fun things whenever you go back and see an old movie and it's like, oh my God, it's that person. And yeah. they weren't very famous back then. It's always fun. Uh, anyway, we're going to Q&A. Yep, let's do it. Question. Question. I got something to say. I want the 
I'm listening. First question today. Uh, first of all, we are getting questions from Twitter. We're getting questions from SoundCloud. And then there's actually, if you go to our subreddit, um, it's Reddit slash cinema slash r slash cinema sense yeah so uh go there there's actually a thread dedicated to podcast questions so stickied up at the top of the the page yeah so go on there and uh put your questions in there it's just kind of a an easy way to get those all together but if you're still giving us questions on twitter or on soundcloud we'll check those out too so the first question uh comes at us it says what genre would you like the first feature vr virtual reality film to be. Mm, well, this is inevitable, right? Yep. Hardcore Henry set us down this path. And Aaron and, Sims was talking about it last last week. Yeah, and once you are able to film in 360, however you figure that out, and let the viewer control the camera, I want to see a Robert Altman movie. Yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, a man who has already sort of mastered um, the art of background in movies sometimes what's in the background is what's most important sometimes it's not his movies have always felt like real life to me for that reason Mm -hmm. um and so because he takes that much care already i feel like he would go the extra mile so that no matter where i pointed the camera i'm gonna see something interesting or hear something interesting uh so that would be my pick nice well and it's interesting you bring up altman because uh gosford park is a movie that he made Mm. um murder mystery and i've always found murder mysteries to be one of the most active involved type of things when you're watching it you're always trying to think with the detectives the clues all this it's an active experience and to have a murder mystery type of thing in vr would Mm -hmm. be amazing because you could go around to the rooms and you could like you know see like different scenes and stuff like that that are playing out and try to solve it based on what where you decide to go and all that um and hmm. which clues do you miss based on your choices that's an interesting premise yeah well like no this lot. is perfect because i mean people do like murder mystery parties all the time mm-hmm. they're like i used to be in one in years. college oh really i did it for two years man i loved it <laughs> that's awesome yeah, yeah. No, and then you, if you could have that just as a as an experience that you could have by yourself that'd be awesome yeah and, and i know you're a huge clue fan yeah. and clue sort of <laughs> so awesome yeah clue sort of in a way with three different endings yeah. sort of kind of did that it's not VR, obviously, but like. But you could pick up clues, yeah, quote unquote, right, by going through that would make all those endings make sense. Yeah, so, yeah. I, th- I feel like people would instantly say something like action movie, superheroes, and all <laughs> that. But I don't feel like that would be that exciting. Like it would be the same sort of deal you see two dimensionally, anyway. Um, I mean, what are you actually going to go? Look well, for? a lot of people would have gone with like horror. Would be yeah, an horror. One would, well, and it's get, that gets in that murder mystery type of feel. Yeah, yeah, and you could really experience those. It, it's the same thing as people want to go through ha- haunted houses around Halloween yeah, and get yeah. scared and that kind of thing. What I I, I kind of thought about action myself, uh, but because VR would be pretty intense, right? It's a, it's a huge experience. You know, you're you're right in the middle of it, and if you're in the middle of like a horror film or an action movie or something like that, it could get overwhelming. So I was thinking like an action comedy. Like, uh, the thing that came to my head was like the Simon Pegg, Edgar Wright stuff, (laughs) like Hot Fuzz or Shaun of the Dead. 
um, of being like there'd be some sort of levity where like you'd have these intense experiences and an action environment and everything, but then you'd have some sort of you know comic relief uh, somewhere around you depending on where you go. Well, and his universes are so flushed out too, uh-huh. like Hot Fuzz that feels like a real community. And yeah. that if I walked away from the main action two blocks east, I'd still see something interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's a good pick. So I guess what does VR? sort of take the form of playing a video game then it's gonna start merging those worlds for sure because i i i sit there and i'm thinking if you go to like a place to watch this or do you watch this at home what do you do that i mean if if vr becomes a big thing you can't put a building big enough i don't think that would no i think the idea right now is that you would be stationary you would be sitting in a chair that could spin okay so that you could control where you're looking mm-hmm. but you i don't think we're close enough yet to yeah, any kind of technology interact. where yeah. you could get up and walk around and interact with the movie scene yeah um it's going to be basically we're talking about we're really talking about 360 more than vr mm-hmm. um i think yeah but it's just to s- semantics but yeah okay so i mean is what so what's currently going on with vr that that we can do what is what are what are the people doing with it because i'm not t- entirely familiar you with can it. play games uh you can tour museums like uh, google cardboard which i have for my android phone like lets you into the louvre and you can like look no, at really? paintings and shit mm-hmm. um but i don't know that there's anything being developed movie wise mm-hmm. for vr right now i think it's still mostly a a video game or animated experience Mm -hmm. um and maybe we just fucked up the last 10 minutes and that's what the guy wanted to hear about but i i think when i think vr movie the only way you can feasibly do that right now is with a 360 camera Mm -hmm. and i think even then there are challenges we haven't thought about uh it's not the same as putting a 360 camera on top of well i had a dude i had read something about this when it was becoming a thing that yeah i mean it it's hard to get every like angle that you could possibly get right when you're walking around in a in a space and that's one of the big problems that they have they have to solve <laughs> it would be like playing a like a video game like uh, mario world in on like nintendo 64 mm-hmm. where like things are pixelated and they're not yeah, fleshed out exactly completely. yeah exactly like that because if i like if i want to go to another room it would be it would be like choppy because you wouldn't have footage for every frame that you, the human eye can detect. Or yeah. Whatever. So I, yeah, I guess what what Jeremy you're saying is that the the movie would be the movie, like the story would be there, but you would be able to shift your perspective to different points. Which of I views. think means they have to make the movie entirely differently. Yeah. yeah. They can't make it the way they make it now. They have to plan. Right now, they only have to plan for what's in front of them. Mm. But making a movie where I can control the camera, well, now they have to. They have to plan for everything around, like a, a set is going to become 100% clean, right? You mm. won't be able to have a grip in there with a mic standing there. So I don't know how they're going to do it, but it's coming. No doubt I, about it. I will say if we somehow didn't answer this question right, then give us a few more details. And we'll try talk. again next week. Yeah, we'll try yeah. again. Because I, I, do, I do enjoy talking about the technology because I think that would be fun. Yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know everything that you're trying to go for there. So anyway. Yeah. Okay, so we got a, a nice light one to finish up with here. So what were the times when you were most surprised when an American character in a movie was played by a non-American actor or actress? Well, can I cheat and use a TV show? Yeah, I'm going to, too. <laughs> Idris Elba in The Wire. Yeah. 
Um, now, there are a bunch of British people on that show. Only one or two of them let that British sneak through. Idris Elba sounds like a goddamn Baltimore American. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I didn't even know he was British or anything until much later after I'd completed the entire series and I was blown away. Like, mm-hmm. it's one of the best American accents I've ever heard. Yeah, that's a good point. Actually, I'll, I'll step in because mine's TV, too. <laughs> the one that blew me away was Hugh Laurie oh, in Jesus. House. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk about nailing. And it's not... Here's the thing, and I, I don't think I'm stealing yours, but like Andrew Lincoln in The Walking Dead, it seems easier for a British person to do a Southern accent or what they think is a Southern accent than just a straight, you know, non-regional American British? accent. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you didn't know? No. I watched two seasons of that show. Maybe more. I had wow. no idea. Anyway, Hugh Laurie nails just like the, the non-regional aspect of an american accent i think is is he's probably got a better american accent than i do Uh, he might (laughs) i I didn't i had never seen any of his early comedy work with like stephen fry or whatever prior to seeing house so again i didn't know it was a british dude he's british as fuck he is super british (laughs) um i am i kind of i don't know is anthony hopkins does that seem british to you when you when you hear his accent because that was one that i thought of i know he speaks so differently in silence of the lambs that that you could well he's maybe not american or whatever but i i think the first time that i found out that he was british or welsh or whatever was was weird to me because Mm -hmm. he had because he was that character to me i never saw his earlier stuff and everything christian bale um i i had first seen in like um uh empire of the sun and uh little women newsies mm. and yeah <laughs> i didn't see newsies but uh but like i i feel like in little women he um he's already kind of speaking with a british because it's like it's yeah. like the early days or whatever so mm-hmm. i don't know if i've ever was ever taken off guard it's like colonial by, accent yeah, yeah by bail uh really but but i would say probably anthony hopkins yeah well, that w- interesting, I'm sorry to cut you off, about Bale is he keeps the American accent through all the press for a movie. <laughs> oh, yes. yeah. He's almost like Robert Downey Jr. I'll break character to the DVD commentator. <laughs> um, but he doesn't want to throw off viewers who are expecting, you know, Bruce Wayne. And But here's an interview about the Batman movie, and he's British sounding. So even on the interviews about a movie where he used an accent, he'll keep the accent. Blows my mind. Nice. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, w- I would go Hopkins on that. I think it's a, That's a good one. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you mentioned Newsies. I think this may have set our record for most movies mentioned in an entire broadcast. Well, just wait. So I mean, 10 years down the road is going to be twice as many movies for us to talk about. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> anyway, that'll be the uh, Sincast for this week. Keep going to SoundCloud and giving us your comments and telling us how we're doing. But uh, that'll be it for this week. It's Chris Atkins and Jeremy Scott and Barrett Share. We'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. Comment on our episodes on our SoundCloud page. Check us out on YouTube, Twitter, Facebook, and Reddit. And be sure to visit cinemasins.com. I don't like Did you get their, the full Baconator or like the son of the Baconator? I usually get the son because mm-hmm. I'm tr- I, I do I am trying to eat healthier in general, and even if I'm cheating, I'm. But the, yesterday I got the big dog. <laughs> oh.
that's the best. When oh. you're like used to the sun, you're used to the sun of Baconator, and then you're like, you. then you have a fuck it day where you're like, God damn it, I'm getting the real one. I, I was yesterday. Now there's sixty percent more. Let's just say I don't need any red meat today. <laughs> By the way, I, I guess. I guess these are good times to like say, oh, I'm sad that we didn't talk about this movie last week. Searching for Bobby Fisher. Yeah, it was on my list. Mm. I just somehow and overlooked it. I was just like, because we just t- we talked about Steven Zalian. We talked about all that shit. And I was like, and then later I was like, wait a minute. Searching for Bobby Fisher. That never sh- that never came up. How'd that never come up? And you know, I was like looking at it and I was like, yeah, Steven Zalian directed it and everything. I'm like, fuck. Yeah. Fuck. It's good. I like <laughs> that movie It's a good movie. A yeah. But we'll make up for it because I have a chess movie that's awesome on my list today. Ooh, nice. It's a great film. Um, I'm... uh. I'm, uh, yeah, you're cutting that out too. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know why we're yelling. (laughs) Loud noises. (laughs) Loud noises. Where is everybody? (laughs) Where did everybody go? Arby's throw beef sale. It's funny because I didn't read the script and I was sitting there going, that'd be in a perfect Arby's thing when I, when you see the city and then it's in there. And <laughs> I'm like, not, yes. It's, it's not even in the script. That was one oh, of the ones Oh, it's not in I the script. Wrote. Oh, okay, good. Because I was like actually thinking that when there, when the Parker stuff comes up yeah. and all that. And I was like, this is such an Arby's roast beef sale thing. That Parker <laughs> one came out so funny, I think. I don't mm-hmm. know why, but it tickles my ass. <laughs> <laughs> tickles your ass. Uh, I don't know. The bills are going all the way this year, dude. With uh, Tyrod Taylor. Taylor Tyrod Taylor. Yeah, I was joking. I don't think the bills are going all the way. <laughs> Wrangle that ma fucking mic. Ma fucking. <clears throat> that bat sex really fucked with you, didn't it? It fucked with me hard. <laughs> Especially when I found out that that was something they added that wasn't oh, yeah. in the original. It's, all, it's it like, because I read that they were going to try and fix all of the, like, sexist damage done to Batgirl <laughs> no, did not. with this movie version. <laughs> they, no, they made it worse. They doubled down. While she's jogging like it's a fun, like, you know, <laughs> yep. and all that stuff. Like, come on now. Lingering. Yeah. It's very- well, and the way they go from fighting to fucking, yeah. it surprised me even further a minute later when I found out that was the first time they ever did it. Yeah. I, 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 what? Yeah. God, yeah, fuck me. It fucked with me hard. It really did. To the point where I couldn't even stay well, on topic. On I that was thread. sitting there going, "I, if I'm Batman, obviously I'm not going to turn her down." But he, he's like, just kind of like, he doesn't look like he's either into it or if he wants to, like, he doesn't want to push her away. He doesn't want to do it. He's, I mean, I don't know how you get a well, boner impract- in that situation. <laughs> it's impractical because if you remember Batman Returns when that came out and. Uh, Michael Keaton tra- takes the cowl off. Yeah, like yeah, everybody's yeah. like, "What about the eye makeup that was around there?" Yeah, mm-hmm. like he's got so much shit that he puts on. Yeah, and then like to imagine you're talking about like the in the line of fire thing, like all that oh, shit yeah, that has to be taken off yeah. and then put back on. Yeah, yeah. She takes- she rips off her top like it's just nothing. Yeah, that she- top cannot be helping her in battle because yeah. it's a t-shirt. Exactly. She takes it off like a blouse. It's- <laughs> They're afraid to swear in yeah. it, and they're like, all right, and then they're like, we're going to go all the way and have a sex scene. Let's just have her in a bra or whatever. Why don't you just make this heavy metal? You know, you <laughs> might as well just go ahead and do that, right? Heavy metal Batman. That's right. 
That's the perfect place to have your first sex, though, I think. <laughs> On top of a roof, <laughs> under a gargoyle. In a I bat mean, suit. I, I read this and I was like, okay, this is going to be like, I was, I read the introduction to it and like, like all this stuff is now in like this amazing colors and everything. Like, okay, cool. I'm, this is my first time reading it. So yeah. whatever. And, uh, and so I started reading it and I'm like, okay, I'm kind of getting into this. It's kind of right. Okay. Okay. And then it got to the end and I was like, is that it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. That's it. <laughs> Guess that's it, huh? People's sexiest and Kirsten mental- Dunst. That's the one I was thinking. Of. I was about to say this is what I was like. It was weird that you said Kirsten Dunst earlier because, like, Interview with a Vampire. This is her debut. Yeah. And just take a look at the mug on this guy, the jutting eyebrows, the simian forehead, the idiotic grin. Why he has a face only a mother could love. On payday. We're going on a national bikini tour. And we're looking for two oil boys who can grease us up before each competition. There's a town about three miles that way. I'm sure you'll find a couple guys there. Can't be! Can it? Or is your entire world just crashing down all around you? Oh, What's up, baby? What's up, sluts? He only speaks Russian? Nah, I speak some English, but he cannot speak good like we do. Would you like some making fuck bells? <laughs> That's fucking funny, man. Did he say making fuck?